The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are always in the right place. This is our second live show today. Thrilled to be here. So what's the buzz on the street? Well, I have a quote from David Packard. Very interesting quote. You probably have heard it before, but it bears repeating. Quote, marketing is too important to be left to the marketing department. Hmm, you're saying, but I'm a small to mid-sized company and I have a marketing department. Who else should be doing it? Well, we're going to talk to our experts and see what's going on. So what is today's show all about? Marketing is at the heart of your business and your business success. Most aspects of your business depend on it. Think of it. Everything you do, think about branding. Think about social connections. Think about whether you still use cold calls. Think about how you train your salespeople. Marketing, getting the word out, is at the core. But, 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 today is different. To introduce your product and your service to today's socially connected e-commerce savvy prospects with the goal of, you know what, prospects are great, but you want to turn them into loyal customers and you want them to keep coming back and back and back and choosing you over your competitors. How do you do this? You need to combine and balance traditional and social marketing tactics. So if you're thinking old school, you're thinking new, new school, you got to balance that act. You want to be on the seesaw somewhere on one side on the other, but basically in the middle so that you combine the best of everything. So are you ready to decide where to invest your funds, your people, your resources in your marketing plan? Aha, we hope you are. We have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure this out. Let me tell you who they are before I introduce them. First up, we'll be welcoming Trish Nettleship. She's a director of multi-channel marketing at UCB. And joining Trish on the panel is Lisa Durrett, D-U-R-R-E-T-T. She's the vice president and director of digital services at a company called Legacy Worldwide. And rounding out the panel is the lady who sponsors this wonderful series, who's very, very smart about all things Think Big, Work Small. It's Lorraine Maurice. Senior Director, Global Indirect Channel Marketing at SAP. So let's circle back around the table to Trish Nettleship. And Trisha sent, Trish has sent us a very interesting quote from Michael Porter. Let me tell you who he is before I read the quote. Michael Eugene Porter, he's a young guy, born in 1947. It's easy for me to say that. He's an American academic known for his theories on economics, 
business strategy, and social causes. He is the Bishop William Lawrence University professor at Harvard Business School. There's a good credential. And one of the founders of the consulting firm, The Monitor Group, which is now part of Deloitte. Here is the quote, listen up, words of wisdom. Sound strategy starts with having the right goal. I love the quote. Trish Nettleship, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Great, Bonnie. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. We are delighted to have you. Talk to me. Are you a big fan and follower of Michael Porter? He certainly is a smart guy. And how does this quote relate to our topic about the balancing act for marketing for SMEs? Trish? Yes, absolutely. I've been following Michael Porter my entire career, which has been um, fairly long. So uh, I'm a big fan. Learned about him in business school. But why this quote really hit me, uh, I came across it in a blog post of someone I really respect in the digital transformation arena. But what it, how it resonated with me is in my line of work, I've led social media at, at a telecom. I now lead uh, multi-channel marketing, just another fancy word for uh, digital, social media, arena, all these different areas. I get requests on a regular basis for folks that want to go launch a Twitter page or a Facebook page or Periscope or whatever the latest and greatest shiny new mm-hmm. object is in the mm-hmm. digital arena. And, um, you know, the question I come back with is, so why? How does this help us meet our business goals? Does this align to your business goals? Uh, and the question's always, oh, I don't know, but I think I need to be there. So this is why I just, I've actually put this quote in my um, signature on my email, and I, I respond with this quite frequently to the marketers that I deal with on a regular basis to get them just starting to think about, we, we can't just go do tactics for the sake of doing tactics because it's the latest, greatest, popular new thing out there, but we have to do it and align it to our business goals so the lines brought it to our broader strategy. And that's the piece I think we tend to forget. We just know we want to be there because everybody else is there, and there's got to be more uh, strategy behind that than just let's be there because everybody else is there. So that's, that's why this quote really resonated with me. Thank you, Trish. Very interesting uh, pulling the quote into the topic. I have a quick question for you before I turn to Lisa, and I'll ask all three panelists this. Do you agree with the David Packard quote I opened with, marketing is too important to be left to the marketing department? Sounds like you might. You and Michael Porter. What do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. Marketing should be something everyone in the business has responsibility for. It can't be left to one single department. We are represented as a company no matter where we sit within our company, whether you're a customer service rep, a marketer, a salesperson, finance, you represent the company and you have to be part of that marketing messaging on a constant basis. So it is much more important than be left to one single department. Thank you very much. I, and and uh, let me just ask you one more question. Can we pull this out to the thing called the brand where everybody in the company, no matter what you do, say, speak, where, anything you're doing work-related, you are part of that brand and therefore you are part of marketing. Can we even say down to the person who answers the phones or the person who types the tweets or the person who is the cashier in, in a retail store if they still have those? Agree with that, Trish? I think, I think you have to. I think every impression that a customer, a potential customer has of your company has an impact, either positive or negative. So you absolutely have to extend that out to the entire organization. Thank you very much. I like you very much. You agree with me. You don't have to, by the way. But I, I think these are very important concepts, and that's why I chose the David Packard quote because I think it it pulls this into who. I'm always asking on our shows, Trish, who is responsible? We have a lot of 
thought leaders on all of our game changers. We have 14 different radio series now. And, and very often my thought leader guests are saying, we need to think about this. We need to plan this. We, and I'm saying, who is the we? Who, who are, is this the, the proverbial hospital we, we will bend over and take our shot now? You know that one. Uh, it, so who, who is the we? So thank you very much. I appreciate that. So everybody's part of marketing. Let's now bring on Lisa Durrett at Legacy Worldwide. And Lisa is quoting one of our fan favorites here on Game Changers, Sir Winston Churchill. I think he was quoted on this morning show. Anybody who doesn't know Winston Churchill, Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Dash Churchill. He has so many letters after his name. I can only imagine what the door of his office looked like. KG, OM, CHTD, PCDL, FRSRA. He lived from 1874 to 1965. British statesman, Prime Minister of the UK from 40 to 45 and 51 to 55. Also interesting, he won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1953 for his overall work. He was a non-academic historian, a writer, an artist, an officer in the British Army. And here's something Trish may not know, or Lisa rather may not know. In 1963, Winston Churchill was the first of only eight people to be made an honorary citizen of the United States. Aha. And here is the quote Lisa has selected from Sir Churchill. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Lisa Durrett, such a pleasure to meet you. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on. We are delighted. So talk to me, a big fan follower of Winston Churchill, and how does this quote relate to our topic? I, I, I'm not a huge follower. I'm a big fan, though. So um, this quote is actually you know, one that I use and, and, and have on my wall in my office um, because I think it, it it's exactly as it says. It's a little thing that goes a long way. And so, you know, if you're a small business, whether it's, you know, clients that come into my agency here or in the past working with them on a consulting basis, you know, very often I hear small businesses say, you know, we're only this big. We can't compete. Or, you know, I'm not sure how we're going to, you know, tackle that challenge ahead of us. And the first thing I say is, you know, you need to change your mindset, first of all, um, just because you're small doesn't mean you can't do great things. And so I think the first thing we look at is changing our attitude, changing our outlook on who we are as a business, you know, what our goals want to be, and then we can go forward and start assessing those goals and tackling them. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And I'm going to ask you the same question I asked to Trish. Do you agree with David Packard? Marketing is too important to be left to the marketing department. Um, absolutely. Um, you have to get buy-in across the board whether it's um, a mom-and-pop two-person business or 250 people or even larger. Everybody has to buy into what the goals and objectives are, and then they have to understand what the marketing message is, and they all have to support it. Um, to your point, I think you were talking about from a brand perspective, who answers the phone? You know, how do you present yourself when you're at a meeting? Or, you know, what do you say? How do you, what, what do you wear? It all, it all supports the marketing message and the brand. Thank you very much, Lisa, and again, welcome to the show. And now let's talk to the lady who put the show together with me, Lorraine Maurice. And Lorraine has brought me some knowledge of somebody I've never heard of before. It's Michael John Bobak, B-O-B-A-K, fascinating guy. According to his Twitter profile, he is a digital abstract artist and a funky singer-songwriter. Aha, I couldn't find his age, but he looks very young to me. He has a unique style. His technique is called smearing. He blends 
these different images together into a dreamlike whole image. And his uh, a quote, not the one Lorraine picked, is everyone has their own individual view of the world in which we live. I enjoy bending reality to capture my vision of it. Very interesting. He lives in Philadelphia. Lorraine, I don't know if you know, but he sings in two bands, Slum Lord Byron is his punk and soul band, and Temple of Tomorrow is his electronic band. Okay, enough, Bonnie. Here we go. Here's the quote Lorraine selected from Michael John Bobak. Quote, all progress takes place outside the comfort zone. Lorraine, how are you today? Amazing. How are you doing today, Bonnie? I'm amazing, too. I'm amazing. I'm, I'm a radio host. I'm, a, I'm a glad to have you here. Lorraine, do you follow? Have you seen the artwork from Michael John Bobak? It's gorgeous. You know, I saw the artwork, but I have to say it's when I was looking for this particular quote and doing a little research. It is fabulous. I think he's multi-talented, and uh, I love the fact that he, he's smearing things together. So um, I think that's what we do in marketing sometimes is we have to take um, images from different places, but instead of making it dreamlike, we have to, to show what the reality of the end goal is and so i think we have similar concepts we just approach it differently very interesting lorraine talking about blending uh, the topic you gave me for the show is very simply the balancing act your small business marketing strategy and we talk about social connectivity and we talk about e-commerce savvy buyers and we talk about traditional and i mentioned ooh the cold call such a concept if a lot of companies are still using it actually i believe but my question is, is it a blending like Bobak might do, just kind of putting it all there and mushing it around, or does it have to have a strategy, going back to the wonderful quote Trish Nettleship shared from Michael Porter, your marketing has to have a strategy that creates the balancing act. Is that right? I think, yeah, it has to start with the strategy, and the balancing act, act actually becomes the implementation of the strategy. So it, it really goes hand in hand, but without a well-thought-out plan, um, with objectives and an end goal, even if you try to balance something, it may not provide you with the achievements that you're looking for. So it's really critical to have both pieces. Thank you. And let me ask you the same question I asked the other ladies. Marketing, too important to be left to the marketing department. David Packard, agree or disagree, Lorraine? So agree totally. You know, the coaching that we give everybody, all the businesses that we work with, is that um, marketing is everybody's job. And I think Trish and Lisa both said that as well, especially in today's digital world. Um, everybody is on some sort of social media, you know, a, a device using some sort of application. And it becomes an important part of the business because everybody is now a visual as well as, a, you know, a social representative of your company. And I think back in the old days, and I think we can all remember that you always, we always started with the mission statement and we make people mm-hmm. memorize mission statements as a company, but mission statements are, 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 are different, right? And the reason I'm bringing this up is that it's about what the company does. It's important that everybody do social and be social and do marketing in your company because it's really now about the value proposition of your company and why somebody wants to buy from you because that's what a blended marketing plan is all about is, is how to create revenue, why somebody will buy, buy from you. And then it goes back to being in this kind of social world, uh, making sure that everybody is in tune with what uh, your value prop is and how to go to market. 
Thank you, Lorraine. Very interesting. And I am remiss because I didn't mention who David Packard is. I've been intoning his name, and uh, in case anybody oh. doesn't know, he was an electrical engineer. He co-founded with William Hewlett. Here we go, Hewlett Packard. That's right. 1939, he served as president, CEO, and chairman of the board of HP. He also served as U.S. Dep- deputy director, let's see, U.S. deputy secretary of defense from 69 to 71 during the Nixon administration and president of the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences, chairman of the Board of Regents. He received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1988 and is noted for his philanthropy and technological innovations. Very interesting guy. So David Packard, he left us in 1996, but we are certainly happy to be quoting him today. So I'm going to circle back around the table to Ms. Trish Nettleship at UCB. Trish, I'm going to ask you a personal question, and as I like to tell my panelists, you do not have to give us the Google map coordinates of your office or your home, but I'd like to know where are you calling from in general, and what's in your cup today? If it's something kind of boring, we want to know what you really would love to be drinking right now that makes you smile. I'm looking at your picture, and you are smiling. So, Trish? So, I am in Atlanta, Georgia today, Um, actually near Lake Lanier, if you know anything about it, beautiful area. But what's interesting about what I will be drinking this afternoon, it's a little bit early, but I will ha- be having some South African Chenin Blanc 2011 mm. Fire, you're, if you're curious, from Stellenbosch. And the reason is I, uh, I plan to be a small business owner myself, um, and I retire. Hopefully, in the near term, I'll be able to do that and open a wine bar. So I'm constantly tasting new wines from around the world and uh, looking for uh, wines to add to my wine list. So we actually were able to visit some wineries in South Africa when I was over there a couple of years ago and have some of the most amazing wines that I've ever had at very inexpensive price. So that's, a, that's what I plan to be having here shortly. Wonderful. That's a great story. So you will be an SME. You will be a small to mid hopefully starting small and growing quickly to mid-sized business when you retire. My goodness. And where will your, where will your wine bar be in case somebody wants to look for you there? Uh, I will be along the coast of the Gulf um, in Florida, around 38, if anybody's familiar with that area. So look me up in about five years. <laughs> we've never we've never had a pre a pre business pitch before. Thank you, you very much. Know. You never know. Yeah, never know. We'll be right down. I think Lorraine and I will drag Lisa. We're going to go down and taste the wine. Thank you very road much. Trip. Five years yes. road trip. That's right, road trip, road trip. Lisa Durrett, where are you, and what are you drinking that makes you smile? <laughs> I'm in Atlanta as well, um, and I uh, sustain myself through the day on coffee. <laughs> it could be any kind. Italian roast is what I drink, but um, we are such a high-paced agency here. We have so many things going on. We're actually in production today in our studio, um, so we get here quite early, and and I'm buzzing on coffee for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, it sounds good. I assume it, what we used to call back in the day high test. That's like mm-hmm. fully leaded, right? Load, yes. Loaded with caffeine. Thank you, Don't Lisa. Nice to have until I get here and have my coffee, and then I'm good to go. <laughs> there you go. Lisa has to have her coffee first. Lorraine, where are you today, and what are you drinking? I also am in the Georgia state, the lovely state of Georgia in the Atlanta area, and I am drinking what I call spa water. So for Valentine's Day, I got one of those containers that in the middle you pull out the the little container and you can put lemons and limes and mint or any type of uh, fruit and then you uh, fill it with water and uh, you have 
spa water available. So I just like to pretend that I'm at the spa every day, and that's the way I'm doing it for 2017. <laughs> I love that. Lorraine has a good imagination. Lorraine, is that like an infuser? Is that what this is? Yeah, where that's you could... what it's called. It's an infuser. There you go. Yeah, okay. I remember uh, one of the local, who was it? Probably uh, Annie Says, we used to have those, or um, TJ Maxx was giving those out as an early bird bonus special if you went to their store at 7 o'clock one Saturday morning about six months ago. Well, I, I couldn't. I mean, I'm not that much of a shopaholic. Not at all. I showed up a couple of days later with the coupon and I said, I want my free... Oh, I'm sorry. We gave them all away. Okay, thank you. At least I slept that morning, right? That's an infuser, right? You put something sweet or interesting flavors in it and then it infuses into the water automatically by osmosis. So we're having a really good conversation here. Very serious. A lot of smiles, but very serious. We're talking about the balance Act for your SME, small to mid-sized business. This is appropriate even if you're a startup, even if you have, as I like to say, a gleam in your eye about a business. And Trish is dreaming about a business she wants to start in about five years. So this would be appropriate. How do you balance traditional marketing with social connectivity marketing, with e-commerce? How do you have the strategy Going beyond just everybody read the mission statement, going just beyond the marketing department, everybody needs to be part of creating your brand, living your strategy, and helping you build that customer loyalty. That was the only way, really, to keep you in business. We're talking with Trish Nettleship at UCB. Lisa Durrett at Legacy Worldwide, and of course, Lorraine Maurice at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a yellow straw, and my yellow straw worked because it was cloudy this morning. It's the same straw, and the sun is pouring into my office windows right now, so yay, it worked. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're going to give our panelists about a 60-second break to take a sip of something good, and when we come back, we will do a deep dive into the roundtable for our topic, Balancing Act, Your Small Business marketing strategy. Matt out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. There we are. We are thinking big today. We're thinking about a balancing act for traditional and new style marketing for SMEs. We are going to be starting our roundtable in earnest with Trish Nettleship at UCB. And Trish sent me the following notes before the show. So let's kick it off here. She says, with the arrival of the Internet, smartphones, iPods, and social networking, small businesses are able to advertise using web banners, Facebook-like buttons, Twitter tweets, podcasts, and other low-cost, real-time methods. And let me add one more sentence to this, Trish. Internet marketing enables you to personalize offers to customers by building a profile of their purchasing history and preferences. So, Trish, why don't you expand this for us, please? Absolutely. So throughout my career, I've been working with small business and medium-sized businesses, and I've seen an evolution, right? We've had more and more things come in, opportunities for us to market our businesses. It's evolved significantly over the last 10 to 15 years and what's available to us to market our business. We have so many more options today that are much more effective, efficient, uh, and low cost now with the advent of social Media, for example, uh, I'll give you an example. I worked with a CPA here locally in Atlanta. She was getting her business off to start. So she, there's CPAs on every corner, right, where we do our taxes. Mm-hmm. We had to figure out a way to differentiate her a little bit. So we decided to use social media as a way to present her as a thought leader. So we, she got out there talking about the changes in the tax code and what was happening, what that meant for other businesses. And over time, with networking and face-to-face as well, she was able to grow her business into a pretty significant uh, CPA business here in the local Atlanta area. So there's new ways for us to advertise and promote our business than we've ever had before. Facebook offers great targeting for us. Now we think about personalization. If you're mm-hmm. on Facebook today, which I'm sure most of you guys are, uh, all it takes is for you to do one search, and all of a sudden you're getting served up ads within your Facebook feed around that particular search. I was buying a baby product for a gift. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting served up baby products. I don't have any babies, so I really that's not relevant every time that, that gets weeded out. But the way we can market our business has evolved significantly. So we have to look at these new ways, whether it be promoting yourself as a thought leader to differentiate your business from the competition or specifically targeting ads to your market. There's new ways to do this. It's very inexpensive. Even for large businesses, you can do, you know, medium to larger businesses, you can, you can target your advertising on Facebook now like never before. Very, very specific ads that you can reach your audience. So and it's paying off in dividends, right? What we've seen, there's a Harvard Business School report that came out recently that says you can see an increased sales of over 5% by leveraging social media, for example. That's just one report. I know lots of uh, customers that I've talked to have been able to really increase their sales by leveraging these new channels. So we have to understand our audience, where they're actively engaging, whether it be traditional or new modes of marketing uh, online and through social media. We have to understand where they are first, of course. Um, And it doesn't mean we walk away from traditional marketing either. I think we have to be creative in how we reach our audiences in more efficient ways. And so that, for me, this is what this means, and it's an opportunity if you can get it right. Very interesting. We'll, we'll round about the table. We'll go around the table, and then we'll talk to you a little bit before we finish this topic, uh, Trish, about how this ties to having the right goal for your strategy. But I'd love to get Lisa's input right now. Lisa, what do you think? I, I think Trish, Trish is absolutely right. There's so many um, opportunities and, and channels available for small business. 
Um, I don't think they need to be distracted by the fact that they maybe not have a lot of large budget to compete or even agency support um, as much as we would love to have them as a client, right? There's so many tools mm-hmm. out there that make it easy, um, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Trish was making a point of establishing a business as an expert in their field. I think one thing that they should keep in mind when they're doing that is content, and content can be a lot of different things. Um, whether it's an ad or or if it's a video that you produced right on your own cell phone uh, in your in your office that says you know here's some advice it's free it's a, you know I think Lorraine likes to use the terminology of a snackable piece of content mm-hmm. it's quick it's easy but what it does is it gets your message in front of your target customer quickly efficiently um, and I think the other thing to keep in mind is you're you're connecting with them whether it's through Facebook or Twitter or on mobile, you're connecting with them through the channels that they want to be connected with. And I think that's one of the benefits with all the technology available to us today that benefits small business. Um, You know, I've worked with clients that, again, to Trisha's point, don't have a lot of budget, but they have a lot of knowledge. They really are experts in their field. They just need to get their message out there. Um, And I don't think there's been a time where it's been easier or faster to get somebody established that way. Um, I think the other thing to keep in mind is you're reaching customers through the channels that they want to be reached through, but you also have to remember to speak to them in their language. Come, come at them with everyday language that, that, they, that they relate to and, and kind of leave the sales speak at home. Ah, leave the sales speak at home. You have to elaborate on that before I bring Lorraine into this thread. What, what does that mean, Lisa? Well, I think because of all the technology and the devices that people carry with them on a daily basis and how many times they engage through those devices and through those channels, you know, they it's almost like ADD overload. So they don't want to be bothered with, you know, just cut to the chase. I know what I need. I know what I'm looking for. You know, tell me why I should look to you or to your business to be that provider or to buy your product. You know, just just tell me real messages. Just tell me real benefits. Just tell me what I need to know and why you're an expert or why your product is the best. Thank you very much. Lorraine Maurice, got to get your POV on this. What a lively conversation. Go ahead, Lorraine. Well, I couldn't agree more. I'd like to disagree, but I couldn't agree more. And what I take from this is I'm going to go back and use the same word again, which is the value proposition. It is, uh, you know, Trish gave the example of the the small CPA firm. You know, Lisa's talking about content. It really is knowing about your customer and how you can provide value to them. So when you sit down and do your marketing plan, whether you're using digital and social tools or or traditional assets, it's about understanding why somebody should do business with you and why they should care about you. And we tend to forget that sometimes. We tend to just market, you know, who we are and what we do and what products we sell and what services we can deliver versus really understanding what's in it for your customer and why they'd want to listen to you. Because in today's environment, it's, uh, it's about why they choose to listen. Um, and they choose to listen on their own time. You know, if you look at some mm-hmm. of the statistics available to us today, more than, you know, it depends which, uh, whether it's IDC or serious decisions, um, but, you know, 75 plus, I think it's over 90% now as well, of customers do most of their buying using online research and through communities that they trust. So if that's the case, how do you become the trusted advisor um, through your marketing? And it has to be about differentiation and offering values. 
Thank you, Lorraine. Very interesting. I, I just want to do a shout out to Bill Solano and Joe Reinbold, who are both listening to the show and they are tweeting and they're actually retweeting what I'm tweeting at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. That's where we tweet. That's our, our main channel. So thank you to both of you, Bill and Joe. We appreciate your listening. Uh, I said to Trish before we went around the table on this one, I wanted to come back to you, Trish, and ask about how this ties up. We're talking about low budget opportunities for great marketing value. Leave your sales speak at home. Great input from Lisa and Lorraine on your topic. But how does this tie back to your opening quote about sound strategy starts with having the right goal? Just a little advice from you, please, on how does a small business say, what is my goal? Is it just exactly who the customer profile is? How do they build that strategy before they go out yeah. and use all these wonderful tools? Go ahead. Yeah, I think I want to expand just a little bit on what everyone else is saying. I think it ties yeah. back to setting your goals. We are all very good at understanding what our customers' needs are, hopefully, and understanding what their desires are. So as Lisa and Lorraine touched on quite a bit, I think where sometimes we we talk about our business goals, we talk about the customer goals, and then we forget to make that connection. So I think it's important that as we further deep dive into what our customers' needs and cares and wants are, that we then go back again and tie that to our business goals. So if you're a new business and you're trying to build awareness for your business – and understanding your customers, how does that, their needs and what they're caring about tie back to what you're trying to accomplish and building awareness for your business? So the goals are going to depend on where you are as a business and what you're trying to accomplish. The example I gave earlier with the CPA, she was trying to differentiate herself from all the other CPAs on every corner uh, in the Atlanta area. So she had to then build that thought leadership. But what does that look like for you? But ensuring that you're still tying your goals back to what the customers want. I think sometimes we start with our goals, we go to the customer goals, and then we forget to make that connection. So, you know, there's tools and templates out there that we can touch on. They're free. Everybody does it. That's, you know, it's, I say everybody does it. It's very easy to find. Quick Google search, and you'll find telecoms offer resources that have goal planning and all these other tools as well as financial services. There are lots of tools that are free out there for you to go and get that would help you walk through this. But again, your goals depend on where you are in your business and what you're trying to accomplish. But always ensure that you start with the business goal and tie it to the customer's objectives as well and what they're trying to accomplish. Don't miss Thank that you, connection. Thank you, Trish. Point. Thank you. Very well put. And I'm tweeting that as well. I'm going to look. I'm going to move around the table to some topics Lisa Durrett sent me before the show. And let's talk about buying decisions. That's a popular one, Lorraine, and I like to talk about on this series, buying decisions. So Lisa says, buyers use social and digital communities to make buying decisions. The customer experience has to be spot on to create a trusted relationship with your customer. As I said in my opening, that's where you're really headed. Let me just read a statistic Lisa provided and then she can tell us more. 71% of consumers who had a good social media service experience with a brand are likely to recommend that brand to others. Lisa, please tell us more. Well, I think that's absolutely true. Um, it's, It's a very similar percentage of consumers that are also you know, more likely to purchase an item based on social media referrals, whether that's through their network, through direct friends. But, you know, when you're talking about a small business and customer service, there's two things to keep in mind. Number one, I think social media is a terrific tool for helping to manage your customer service, um, but it can also be a very dangerous place to be if you're not going to be um, responsive and engaging with your 
customers. Um, so if you're going to take the step and get into social, um, you need to make sure that you are going to be committed to it. Um, the, the good thing about handling customer service through social is that it's out there. People can see it. You can engage with someone almost immediately. A request comes in or a comment comes in on a product or a service. Um, you can respond and you can resolve the issue quickly. And then that shows you know, that you're a responsive business or that you're responsive to their customers and, and making sure that they're satisfied. And that's an easy way for the customer then to share that out through their network. So exponentially, your, ne- your network keeps growing by providing good, solid service through social channels. And in turn, your customers become recommendations that, you know, they can recommend your business, they can promote your product, and they say, what a great service you provide, what a great product you have, see how they resolve my issue. But the reverse is, you know, obvious, right? If you don't respond or you don't Mm -hmm. resolve a problem, it's out there. So you have to be careful about that. Thank you very much. Lorraine, love to get your thoughts on this. And what do you think of that statistic? 71% of consumers with a good social media service experience with a brand are likely to recommend it. Well, absolutely, because if we go back and we look at some of the statistics about, um, you know, the buying, how the customer buys and and does the research online, um, it proves the point. And so when you see somebody recommending a product and you hear their story live, they're your trusted advisor. They've gone through the same experience that you're about to go through, and so they look to you for that same advice. So it's critical to, as Lisa said, to answer questions. Um, so I, I have a couple of things that I think are important to what Lisa said that I just wanted uh, to say. One, in terms of getting recommendations and being timely, it's always on marketing. And because it's always on marketing, you have to have, whether you call it your terms and conditions, your guidelines, for all of your employees on how your media strategy works and, mm-hmm. and how they should participate. It should not be stifling, but it should have guidance to what is good and bad. You know, they say no, no press is bad, and in social I will say the same thing, but you have to be able to respond to it so that you can resolve it and turn that lemon into lemonade. And then finally, in terms of some of what she said about the recommendations, um, and, and you have to have the content, and it's got to be the value content. And I like to call it the meal plan approach. And the meal plan approach, for those of you putting kids through college, is you get them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's a good strategy for always providing content is to provide it several times a day. And whether it's using kind of a breakfast, lunch, and dinner approach or using the tools that allow you to place content where it needs to be, it's important. But you can't be one and done um, because then the recommendations won't come. It has to be consistent. It has to be authentic. And you have to um, remember that it's always there. It doesn't go away. I love that meal plan approach. Is that all Lorraine Maurice original? Tell me. I, I think I'm not sure anything's original anymore, but but it, but it is. <laughs> very very well put. Very very well put, Thanks. Lorraine. As always, Trish, let's get you in on this. What do you think? Anything above what what uh, Lisa started with? What Lorraine added? Talk to us, Trish. Yeah, I just like that. I think Lisa really focused on the positive, which is. Absolutely true. There's a lot of good that can come, and, and you will have other folks see that positive response that you get. I think the flip side I want to touch on a little bit more is the negative side. What we don't talk about enough is for every negative experience someone has on social media, it takes anywhere from 8 to 12, depending on which report you believe, 
positive experiences to overcome that. So Mm. if we're going to do this, I can't reiterate enough what Lorraine said, ensure that you've got the right guidelines in place, the right training, limit the number of employees that can speak on behalf of your company, ensuring you've got some safeguards in place. There's tons of media out there of all these things gone bad where you've had interns uh, posting on behalf of large companies and it going really bad. Ensure that you're safeguarding against things like that. So because it does happen. And it happens more than we like. And again, those negative things also go viral too. So uh, ensure that you've got the right safeguards in place, but it does pay off. If you can do it right, it does pay off. Again, back to that earlier comment around, you know, the increased sales as well. So I think we, we have to, we have to go forth in this arena. We just have to do it in a way that's, you know, thought, thoughtful. Thank you very much. Lisa, you started this thread. Why don't you wrap it up for us? Thoughts about what Trish and Lorraine added to your comment? Um, I Yeah, I absolutely agree with what they were saying. And to Trish's point, I mean, you have to be cognizant of the potential of negative as well. I actually had a client one time who thought they had it locked down. They said, you know, our social channels are Facebook and Twitter. You know, we're managing it. We're posting it. And I said to them, you know, do you monitor your company you know, and its social channels on a, you know, monthly basis just to see what out, what's out there. And they said, well, these are the only two channels we have. Well, it turned out that there was an employee who they thought that the company should have an Instagram account. And so mm-hmm. little did they know that this employee had started an Instagram account and had all sorts of pictures of inside activities and private activities, but they were it was under the banner of the company's name. Um, so... As much as you have to be aware and responsive of what is going on on your known channels and what you're putting out there to your customers, I think you do have to, you know, be very open with your employees about this is our policy, this is what we're, you know, where we are, this is how we're going to manage it, this is who's allowed to post and not post, this is what we're not going to do, and then what are the consequences if if that does happen. So I absolutely agree with what um, Trish was saying. And then with with Lorraine as well, if you're going to put your foot into the social pool, you have to make a commitment that you're going to keep it up. Um, You don't want to, to Lorraine's point, be one and done. You want to establish a rhythm, whatever that rhythm works for your company, but just keep up with it because you're going to want to be consistent to your um, end users and your customers. Thank you very much. Yeah, who's going to speak? I heard somebody. It's Lorraine, and I know we're on to the next subject, but just to add to that, just a quick anecdotal story. When Facebook first became prevalent and I got on, several people, including my family members, said, oh, my goodness, Lorraine is on Facebook. She doesn't communicate with us. She's going to communicate here. And I panicked because I'm a communicator for a living. What were people mm-hmm. going to think about me? And it's, so you have to turn those, you have to address it immediately. And so I turned it into a joke and said, hi, well, I'm so busy working with my customers and clients that sometimes, you know, it, it's hard to find time at the end of the day. And so um, it, it, I can't, like the two ladies before me, stress enough um, that you have to react quickly. Um, you have to constantly monitor what's, what's being said and address it. Thank you, Lorraine. And I'm glad you spoke because I am moving on to one of your topics. And oh, okay. I want to do a very, you have such so many words of wisdom, Lorraine. There, there's something here <laughs> that needs to be said. It's a tweetable moment. I'm trying to squeeze it in to 140 characters. And I think this is 
is profound in its simplicity, which we love. You say traditional marketing interrupts the day of the consumer, the customer, if they allow it. Social media marketing is about being found. I couldn't imagine saying it better. I will ask Lisa and Trish about it in a minute. But Lorraine, what did you level set for us when we talk about traditional? We talked about all of the new style of marketing and and opportunities. I think Trish gave a list of all the opportunities on social media and, and what is out there. It's low budget. It's low cost. It's easy if you have the guidelines in place, if you train your people, if you have them adhere to brand. That's wonderful. But traditional marketing is part of what you're calling, Lorraine Maurice, the the balancing act. So how do you balance this traditional that interrupts their day if they allow it? I love that part. Along with social media where you want them to find you. So Lorraine, could you you put this together in a, in a couple of uh, maybe mathematical equations for us so we can lay it all out? So let's first start. Let's use an example you started the call, the, the call with, uh, our, our, our session, is cold calling. Is it still valid? Cold calling is a traditional method, and I will tell you that there's still a place for it. But when, you make, when somebody makes a phone call into a business, it interrupts somebody's day. When somebody goes, a customer goes and searches for information, you know, what's a great spa drink? Um, mm-hmm. It's on their time and their choice. So that's really the difference. However, how would they learn about the, the spa drink? So really what, what it takes is, a, I wouldn't say it's a 50-50. I wouldn't say it's a 30-40, you know, or 30, I can count, 30-70. What I think it is is about your business and who your audience is. So I think it truly starts with understanding your audience. Is it a, a business to consumer, a business to business, business to large business, and how um, those people actually consume content? And once you understand how they consume content, then you can decide from your list of traditional um, marketing versus social. And if anybody wants to Google that, just Google traditional marketing versus social marketing, and you'll get the laundry list uh, of, of different tactics. But how does it help? Let's say you're going to have an event, and event marketing is very successful with you, but you're looking for net new clients. By increasing your coverage using a, a blog um, with a tweet attached, by updating your LinkedIn, by putting a video clip on YouTube, can take your session from you know just current you know business you know current customer attendees to the net new attendees that you're looking for. So again, to start the balancing act, you first need to understand your audience. You need to understand how they consume information and then decide how that relates to your business plan. And again, back to your strategy comes first and put it all together. Thank you, Lorraine. Let's circle around to Trish at UCB. Trish, thoughts on what Lorraine just proscribed, I'll say. Yeah, I'm going to disagree slightly. I mean, I think... Good. Yes, we have to start with what we're trying to accomplish. But I think we need to stop thinking about these things as separate. It's all marketing. Well, we get caught up in the terminology and what's the latest thing. I laugh about my title, multi-channel. What does that mean? There's omni-channel. There's digital. There's all these terminology. Let's stop. It's marketing. How, do we, how are we going to market to our audience? First, again, Lorraine did talk about how do we, where do we start, understand our audience, what their needs are, and how does that align with our goals? And then what's the best way to market to them? It shouldn't matter how or where or when. 
right? Because it's going to depend on what we're trying to accomplish and what our audience needs are. We have to stop with this. What's, do we need to do more traditional, more emerging? What, you know, it, the mix is irrelevant. It's really going to matter based on what you're trying to accomplish and what the needs of your audience is. So I'm really pushing for, again, I have a title. This is multi-channel. And it's, in my mind, pretty meaningless. But I do think we have to stop with all these different types of marketing. It's all marketing. You know, I, I still say we ask some of the same questions we learned in marketing one-on-one classes, right? Who's our audience? What are their needs? All the basic stuff. Um, and then we determine what the best way to reach them could be. So I, my disagreement is a little bit just we need to stop with all the terminology and just it's marketing. Okay. Very interesting. We like that. Lorraine, you want to, I won't say rebut, you want to come back to Trish before we get Lisa in on this? Go ahead, Lorraine. Oh, no, I, I have to say I agree. It is all marketing. Um, the one thing we find, though, is sometimes, especially with our, our small business customers and, and those that we coach, is um, and, and if they don't have a marketing staff, they tend to choose one or the other. So I agree with Trish. It's all marketing, and it, it all has the same and pass. Uh, we just encourage everybody not to just pick one. And as she's, I think, I think your title is important, Tris. I just want to let you know because <laughs> it reminds everybody to not just pick one. That it does take several different types of touches to be successful. Thank you. Lisa, let's get in on this. And when Lisa's done talking, I'm going to tell you what I found here on Ad Week in an article that has several infographics. And I'm going to read you what they think are the pros and cons of social media versus traditional all marketing with a capital M. Go ahead, Lisa Durrett. What do you think? So, I again, I think I don't think any of us have really disagreed completely with what the other has said. Um, I think both Lorraine and, and Trish are correct. It is all marketing, but at the same time, you know, successfully marketing a small business today takes, you know, a multifaceted approach. I think studies show that most small business owners still probably rely more on what they consider to be, quote, you know, traditional channels to produce results. Um, but, you know, the social media, the digital marketing, you know, the newer marketing methods that are more prevalent today or seem to becoming more prevalent are growing rapidly, right? And so if you blend that, if it, I don't think it's a contest between should it be traditional or should it be social or digital. I think you don't have to choose, right? I think the most important thing, and I think Trish mentioned this, is you have to understand who your customer is. So sometimes we work with clients and we say, you know, what is your persona? What does your customer look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's the kind of person that you're engaging with on a pre-sale? What is the kind of person? What do they look like when they become a customer? And then, you know, does that does that profile change once they've been a customer for a while? Because once you understand that, then you understand, you know, these are our customers or these are our target customers and these you know, how, this is how they like to be engaged with. This is the need that they're looking to have solved. Um, and then you, can un- then you can identify this is how we're going to position my business or my product. Ultimately, I think the goal is to reach them and reinforce your message, you know, in the way that they want to be communicated to. Thank you very much. Ladies, we're just about at the point of the show where we need to go to our crystal ball predictions round, but I just want to tell you I did find an article on Adweek, and here's a list. Uh, Lorraine, this could be part two. I could be giving you the lead-in for a part two of this conversation. Pros and cons, social media. Uh, here are the, the everything. Okay, social media, inexpensive, interactive and engaging, 
but it's time-consuming. It is measurable, but it disseminates rapidly. And I think we know from tweeting, I know that you go, you put out a tweet and 500 tweets appear and take its place. It's like, did anybody see it? Traditional marketing is costly. It's a one-way, non-reciprocal approach. It has short-term results. It's hard to mention, measure, but it's permanent and tangible. Let's just leave that on the table. So let me see what this article was. It was back from July 13, 2012 by Shea Bennett, if anybody wants to look it up. I might tweet that. So, Trish, we're circling around to you. I can give you exactly 60 seconds. I'm keen on the year 2020. It's only three New Year's Eves away. Get your dresses and your coordinates ready and your cocktails and, and your menu because it's coming at us very fast. So, Trish, if we had this conversation again around 2020, what would be different? Go ahead, Trish Nettleship. I think I predict that, first of all, we stop talking about all the different modes of marketing. We talk about marketing, right? We used to talk about email marketing. We don't talk about that anymore. It's just part of marketing. So I do think that we will be talking about marketing holistically as opposed to digital and all these different terms down the road. So that's the first thing I'd like to The other thing I'd like to think that will happen more and more is that we as consumers and as business owners, we have to think about what the currency is. For businesses, a lot of it is more and more becoming content. I think what will happen from a consumer perspective is privacy. That will be the currency for consumers. So we'll be offering content in in return for more privacy uh, information. So I think that's where things moving to. It's starting already, but I do think in the next three years, that's what we'll see more of. Thank you very much, Trish. Let's go to Lisa Durrett. Lisa, what do you think? 60 seconds. Take your time. Okay, so I think two things. Um, we've touched on a couple times here the importance of content, whether that is you know physical piece of content or a downloadable piece of content. I think content as we go forward is going to become more important. Um, and to do that, you're going to have to make sure that you have an online, an accessible online experience that complements whatever marketing effort you decide to do. Um, I think with all of technology today, everyone's uh, probably suffers from some form of ADD. <laughs> so you ah. have to make sure that whatever content and experience you provide, it's it's consumable in a quick fashion, so 10 to 20, you know, probably less than 20 seconds even. Um, and it's probably more likely to be more visual than it even is today. We're seeing a lot of this now, but I think it's going to become even more so. Probably even we'll see more video. Um, and the last thing I want to say is I think marketing will continue and probably grow to be, you know, the battleground where we see, you know, the competition for customers to be fought. And so I think as we move forward, small businesses are going to be forced to provide real-time marketing. I think we're so used to getting instant access to information and knowing what we want that we don't want to have to wait. And so I think small businesses and businesses in general are going to have to get used to collecting that data, that profiles of their customers, and responding almost in real-time fashion. Thank you very much. Very articulate. And let's go to Lorraine Maurice. Lorraine, oh, I have a whole 60 seconds for you. Go ahead. Because, take your time. Because they said it all is great. I will just reiterate what they said, and especially um, one of the things Lisa said. I say snackable, consumable content and video, video, video. Um, in today's world, with the amounts of multimedia and marketing that we have in our faces, um, it is impaired. It is important. I'll use a word I can say. It is so important that um, we present the content in the format that's uh, easy to consume. Snackable, consumable. Go ahead. 
Snackable consumable content, and let's not forget our millennials who people start to laugh at. Uh, they talk in pictures. They talk in video clips. You know, there, there's no texting. There's no words. Uh, you know, how are we going to deal with them in the next three to five years as they enter the workforce and continue to lead the workforce? Okay, and I don't want to throw a monkey wrench in, but Lorraine, I just did a show the other day, yesterday, on Coffee Break with Game Changers on blockchain and marketing, turning marketing on its ear pretty soon with blockchain technology. Okay, you know what what underpins Bitcoin. With blockchain technology for marketing, your customer will charge you for the privilege of using their data. (laughs) They'll charge you to watch your video. They'll charge you to go to your webinar. They'll charge you to read their ad, and it may all be in Bitcoin. It'll be in crypto, uh, crypto commerce, whatever you call that, cryptocurrency. That's what it'll be in. So, Lorraine, let's take a look at that one of these days. Lorraine Maurice, thank you. As always, wonderful topic, great panel. Trish Nettleship and Lisa Durrett, thank you so much for joining us. Shout out to Matt at World Talk Radio, the business channel, for being our engineer extraordinaire. I think we covered a lot of territory here. And Lorraine, as soon as you get off this call, you're going to start planning and send me the topic for your next show three weeks from today. I cannot wait. Okay, everyone, here's my call to action. Thank you, everyone. Great conversation. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting? for. Go out and be a game changer today. Like Lisa, like Trish, like Lorraine, like me, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week here on Game Changers Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, Tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.